Hey guys, I'm Whitney. And I'm Kylie. Welcome to the Midwest Farm Wives Podcast. We are two millennial farm wives raising lots of littles, figuring out how to run ag businesses with our husbands, learning, loving, and living life day by day in America's heartland. If you landed here, you can expect uplifting positive real talk about being a farm wife, mom, and being a woman in agriculture, conquering all God gives us. We are so excited you're traveling on this back road with us. Hello, and welcome back to episode 52, the one where we interview a dietitian. Dietitian with a T, not a C, right, Kennedy? Yeah, there you go. So we have Kennedy Haney with us. She is a registered dietitian. She lives on a dairy farm, and we're just going to let her introduce herself here quick. And then we have so many good questions from listeners, and Kylie is here too. Okay, time out. I definitely think I was the one saying dietitian with a C. Is that a real spelling? (laughs) It's like the, it's the European or the UK spelling of dietitian. (laughs) It's like color, color, like the Canadian way to spell color. And I only know that, I only know that because I saw her make a post about, please don't put dietitian. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. That was me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, it's something that like we joke about as dietitians. It's just funny. (laughs) Okay. Okay, Kennedy, Kennedy. let's hear about you. Yes. Okay. So I am Kennedy Haney. I'm the dugout dietitian on Instagram. Um, I am 24 years old, so I'm still kind of a baby in the world of dietetics, but I kind of have a large background in it, which is exciting. So, um, I have just a basic bachelor's of science degree in dietetics and human nutrition. I have my minor in psychology where I focused on the psychology of eating. Um, for a long time, I really wanted to go into eating disorders and it looks like we have a couple good questions about those too. So I'm excited. Um, and then I went off and I did my master's degree at Concordia University, Chicago. So my master's is actually exercise science and sports nutrition. Um, after that, I went off and I worked with the Minnesota twins for a little bit, the Minnesota Gophers football team. And then I kind of realized that I loved the high school population a little bit more. Um, this last year, year and a half, kind of when I started getting on a clubhouse, I realized how much I wanted to go back into the agriculture world. So I used to work with Midwest Dairy just as like an intern and then an ambassador and, you know, just did those basic things with those guys. And I loved it. So we worked with, you know, farmers from Minnesota down to Oklahoma, and it was exactly what I wanted. So now after interacting with so many different women in agriculture and farmers across the country on Clubhouse, I realized how much I miss working in agriculture. So you'll see on my Instagram, my niche has kind of spun a little bit and there's a little bit more agriculture um, topics on there and it just feels a little bit more right. So I'm back in egg and I'm very excited about it. I don't think you can walk right over the Minnesota twins part. Um, that's really cool. <laughs> We're happy to have you back in ag, but that is, <laughs> you just sped right past that part. It was really cool. Like it was, yes, no I was, <laughs> it wasn't, I was not their head dietitian. I worked underneath their head dietitian and we just did. Um, I oversaw like the minor leaguers and, you know, we did some basic stuff with the majors. So, so you it was a help to formulate nutrition for the athletes that would best enhance their performance. Is that kind of the background of that? Yeah, exactly. So people, a lot of times are like, what does a dietitian do with athletes? You just tell them what to eat. And I'm like, no, we do much more than that. So 
when I was done with the, excuse me, the minors, we oversaw or I oversaw five divisions. So I was setting up their meals on the road, um, making sure that they had pre and post nutrition set up that somebody was going to be mixing protein shakes or, you know, making sure that they were eating enough basically. But those guys really are on, you know, a serious budget. They're not making money like they do in the majors. So their options are limited. And then on top of that, you know, they can't always afford the supplements or the extra, you know, nutrition recommendations that we make that could potentially lift them up to the major leagues. So they're really a fun division to work with because they're so Mm -hmm. different. You know, these majors have private chefs and catering companies and everybody makes their food for them and all sorts of stuff. So it's fun to see the difference. What a world that would be to have someone to make all your food for you. (laughs) If only. Um, That's my dream. (laughs) So we kind of talked a little bit about what you do now. I guess we talked about what you did as a registered dietitian then. And you said you've kind of changed roles and moved back into the ag community and stuff. What does your like average day look like? Yeah. So I'm really lucky. I actually work from home. So I had an office just in the town over, but it still took, you know, 20 minutes to get there. Then you Mm -hmm. buy a coffee, then you spend an extra 25 bucks Mm -hmm. a day. So I moved my office home and now, you know, I wake up, we let the dogs out. I sit in my office and work all day long. If Dylan calls me and needs a ride to and from the field or lunch or dinner or whatever it may be, I have the option to leave and help him out. So it's made my life so much simpler, but it's also really simplified kind of what we do at the farm. And Dylan's mom is around on Mondays and Thursdays. So she helps too, but it really makes our world much more cohesive. But as far as what I do with nutrition day in and day out, um, you know, I'm working with clients on helping them reach their goals, whether it be weight loss, my high school athletes who come from all over the country that I see virtually, um, you know, answering nutrition related emails, questions, Instagram, all sorts of different things. So you name it, I'm kind of doing it. That's awesome. And I'm sure your life is like so much better now that you get to be a part of the farm as well. Gives you some diversity. Yes. It's been so fun. And it's, it's gave me more content basically, as far as, you know, these questions that people have um, about what we do on the farm or being able to show things and say, you know, the vet's going to be at the farm. Do you want a video of it? So it's simplified everything. And I, I can't imagine it any other way at this point. We talk a lot about one of my big pushes on our, my platform is that we need to trust the American farmer. And so I think being a registered dietitian kind of adds an extra level of trust because you're sitting here telling people, these are all the good things. I've studied this. I've went to school. Like I actually, this is my daytime job. I am very certified in this. These are the things that are, can be good for you and can be healthy for you in the right quantities. And those items I'm assuming include a lot of the farm foods that we raise in the Midwest, in the West East, everywhere Mm -hmm. in the United States. And so I I love that because there is a sense of lost trust. So being able to be connected more with your farm, I'm sure it gives you an added level of trust with your, uh, the consumers of your social media and, and the people you work with. Yeah. It's been really interesting. So I met Dylan when I was 18 years old. So I had finished my first, my freshman year of college. Um, at that point I was going for pre-med biology. So I wanted to become a radiologist and then just kind of for fun, I took a summer course in nutrition 101 with a professor who I still talk to today. I think the world of her. And I was like, wow, there's nothing else in this world other than, than this for me. So that on top of everything I've seen on the farm, I tell everybody the farm has been so much more beneficial for my nutrition knowledge than both of my degrees combined. Um, I can answer questions that typically I would 
honestly say 90 to 95% of my colleagues can't answer or can't answer correctly. And it's just made things so much easier as far as accommodating questions or, you know, actually ha coming up with an answer when those questions come out. That's so awesome and interesting. It's so cool that, that you have the actual education and knowledge to answer these questions that we are asking. You're not just giving us an educated guess or a Google answer is what I love the most. So <laughs> yes. And y'all, I mean, any dietitian that you interact with, you'll hear us say 30 different times. It depends. It depends because typically most of us take an individualized approach to nutrition. So, you know, what, what I would recommend for you is going to be different than what I would recommend for Kylie. So we just have to be super transparent about that. But if I don't know something, I'll always tell you, I don't know, but chances are, I'm going to go find an answer for you. Right. Okay. Well, I let's guess. just jump right into these questions. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> okay. The first one is how do you feel about the word diet and what does that mean to you? Yes. So I love this question. So a diet to me as a dietitian is basically just what we eat. So it's not necessarily, you know, the keto diet or paleo or whatever. It's just what you consume on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think I'm probably one of the few individuals who think that because when we hear the word diet, we're thinking of basically ways that we can restrict our, our diet to, you know, accommodate whatever our goals are. Um, I take a very, if it fits your macros, all foods fit approach. So as a dietitian, you'll never hear me say you can't have cake, cookies, chips, whatever it is. The only thing you'll ever actually hear me say I would prefer we took out of the diet is pop. Um, but I'll tell you right now, I don't drink beer. I don't drink tequila, nothing like that. I drink whiskey, Coke. So I'm still drinking pop when I have alcohol. So I'll be very transparent about that as well. Sure. Okay. So then the, so then they, they, ask these questions. What, how do you feel about keto restricting food groups, low carb counting macros, calorie counting and intermittent fasting? Yes. So the, I have so much information for these ones and I'm excited. Um, keto diet. I like to be very transparent about this one. So it is a fad right now that everybody wants to do. The keto diet was actually created for children with epilepsy to stop the seizures. So when you think <sighs> about that and you think about, you know, how does a restricted carbohydrate intake affect the brain of an adolescent enough to stop epilepsy, what is it doing to somebody who doesn't have epilepsy? What's it doing to right. your brain? So once you think about that, you're like, well, that's kind of sketchy. And then, you know, the research shows that your brain is using anywhere from 80 to 130 grams of carbohydrate each day. My favorite research study actually looks at a group of tournament chess players and they're sitting down and they're playing a day's worth of chess. And like they're getting up minimally, you know, to go to the bathroom, maybe get a drink of water if they even have to get up to do that. And the average calorie burnt by these chess players who are sitting thinking it's a hard game is anywhere from six to 8,000 calories. That is insane. Yeah. So for, power, for sure. Yeah. I need to think harder. I think <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get yes, this. I love it. <laughs> Um, but you know, counting macros, that's typically how I take an approach with my older athletes or, you know, my basic population who just wants to live a healthier diet. Otherwise we do performance plates. And I wish that people could see what I was going to hold up and show, but typically, and we'll go on and talk about this in a few later questions too. Um, I teach people how to use their fist as their portion guide. So your fist and my fist, Whitney, Kylie's fist to Whitney's fist, they're not equal. So that's your portion guide. So typically if we're having a day where we're not super active, we would want to do two fists full of fruits and vegetables at every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
one fist to a fist and a half of protein and then one fist of carbohydrate and then you know just a realistic portion of fat there too so everybody's fist typically is a different size and it kind of helps us guide ourselves to make better food choices but i really do like counting macros if you're somebody who a feels no psychological repercussions from doing that so if that's something that stresses you out, you feel like it's too tedious, it takes the fun away from eating for you, then we don't need to do that. And nobody needs to tell you that you need to do that either. Um, I like counting macros more than I like counting calories because realistically, if you're hitting your macros, you should be having an appropriate calorie um, intake. But if you're hitting your calories, you could be doing that with you know, basically empty nutrition foods. And then intermittent fasting, our last one, I'm a little indifferent with this one. When we look at the research, we use what's called time-restricted eating. So what this is, is it's starting to eat when your eyes physically see the sun. So my farmer gets up at five o'clock. The sun's not coming out until seven-ish now. So that means that he wouldn't eat until his eyes actually see the sun. Well, we know that farmers don't eat until the cows do or, you know, the, the pigs or whatever it is. But in a realistic setting, that's what it would be. You'd start eating when the, your eyes see the sun because we have cells in our eyes that trigger digestion to begin in our gut. I've got a baby coming in. Um, so I tried, I want to just talk about things that I've tried dieting or you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, just a second. <laughs> really, really row, row. This is the real life of Midwest farm wives. <laughs> right. Yeah. Rowan's getting some little crunchies cheese puffs for his diet. Perfect. And rolling around in his walker. So I don't know what Kylie was just asking. Cause I was no, Okay. No, here I'll, <laughs> I'll finish. Sorry. I got Rowan. Um, we were talking about intermittent fasting. She said, you know, you shouldn't, or not really shouldn't, but there's something in the sun that makes you hungry. And I've never tried keto, but I've definitely done intermittent fasting, but it was in a sense where I would wait until like lunch to mm -hmm. eat. And that was very hard for me. It is very hard for me. I definitely am a morning. I, I like breakfast foods for one. And then for a second, I just really need that energy, but I have just recently started macro tracking and counting versus calorie counting. And I can say that counting macros has been I've seen a lot more progress and felt better doing the macros because like you said, I could easily fill, I mean, what I just ate four weeks ago compared to what I eat now was very, very low in protein, uh, very high in fat, very high in carbs. And so I know that that wasn't working for me. And so like my energy level is different, my mood, my body's changing. And I also have a calorie sucker. His name is Rowan, but <laughs> Um, or a fat sucker, I guess I should say, but I definitely can like piggyback just for my own personal experience on what you're saying. I felt like tracking macros was very overwhelming at first. Um, but I've, I've actually put a lot of effort into it and it's a lot easier than I thought it was going to be now that I've actually put forth the effort. So can yeah, you it, suggest my fitness pal for macro counting or what's your favorite? Yes, okay. exactly. Yep. My fitness pal. And then I always say, you know, you don't have to do the paid version. It's $10 a month. I think that's outrageous. You can get by with the free version. Yeah. That's what I've never really heard of any other way to count macros, but I wanted to ask that because I'm sure people are wondering. Yeah. I use my for fitness sure. pal too. Yeah. And then you just want to make sure that you're not using the, um, macros that my fitness pal is giving you. So typically they're they're decent, but they're going to be skewed because they're going to follow a couple guidelines that typically have a protein lower than it should be. 
Um, and then it's not taking into consideration, you know, those personal um, characteristics about you. So family history, how active you are throughout the day, um, how much sleep you get, how much water you drink, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a little less individualized. It's basically just looking at your body as a number. Right. Okay. That also, goes into our next question. Well, sorry, Whit. I also, we turned off the tracking part where it says like, when you do work out that it gives you back those calories, because if you're looking for progress and you're getting enough macros and stuff, you don't want to then add more back into, you know what I'm saying? There's a feature in there where you can take off your steps and stuff. And it like gives you calories back to eat more by the end of the day. But, um, I've taken that off. I don't know if that's right or not. Yeah, no, that's right. Because realistically, if you want to create a deficit, you don't want to eat back those calories that you've burnt. And then on top of it, you know, we live in a day and age where we have Apple watches on our wrists or Fitbits or whatever it may be. But typically, again, the research really shows that these things are pretty skewed. And the only the only um, activity that you're doing where you're actually consistent or where the Apple trackers or whatever are consistent with you is when you're running. So Mm -hmm. not even necessarily walking. And, you know, I know my Apple watch has a setting where if I hit other, it literally warns you and says, okay, well, we're going to, if we can't find your heart rate, we're going to basically mathematically equate that your calories burnt is equivalent to walking at a high rate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't really make sense. No, because you're probably doing something more extraneous for sure. Or nothing at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A lot of times Rowan hits my Apple watch and I'll look down and it's like, you have completed an hour and 12 minutes of workout. I'm like, no, 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 I didn't. I've been sitting here (laughs) watching TV. Okay. So then this one was one that was talked on clubhouse and I loved it because there was a few things you mentioned. I didn't know. So how much water should a person drink per day? Yes. Um, so the average person, it does not differ from male to female. You want to make sure you're having half of your body weight. So your body weight in pounds, if you're 150 pounds, that means you need to be having 75 ounces of water minimum. So that's your base. So when, I don't know if you have a hydro jug, but Kylie, I saw you pick yours up. Ours are 74 ounces. Yep. So if you are 150 pounds, one hydro jug is where you start. You have to aim to have that in each day. Then on top of it, if you have any caffeine, so let's say you have eight ounces of coffee, now you have eight additional fluid ounces that you need to make up for. But we also have to peek into those other things, right? So technically chocolate is or has caffeine in it. Um, Tea, if you have green tea in the morning, technically some of those will have caffeine as well. Um, Pop, any, you know, a Red Bull or whatever it may be, anything that has caffeine in it, now you have additional fluid ounces to make up for and then sweat loss. So realistically, we can't tell how much sweat we're losing, right? So I'll go do an hour workout and I'll sit in the sauna for about 20 minutes. And I'm somebody who's a pretty heavy sweater. So um, obviously I can't tell exactly my sweat rate. If you're going to be very diligent with yourself, you would weigh into your workout before you start. And then you would weigh out after you're finished and you would see what the cat or what the um, difference in your weight is. And then you would use that to kind of determine how much or how many ounces you need. But basically a tool that you can bring home for yourself is just looking at what color your urine is. So ideally we want it, you know, very pale yellow or even transparent. Um, Don't get too carried away with it. But if it's coming out, you know, the bright yellow, like the sun, we want to make sure we're getting enough water. Right. And so you, you saying that about caffeine, I never knew that. So I was drinking two cups of coffee every morning or my little Yeti here. And then still getting my half in ounces or whatever, but I really wasn't because of the, is it because it's a diuretic? Is that what the reasoning is? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So then a diuretic, obviously for people who don't know, 
um, it just makes you excrete fluids a little more often. So typically, you know, if you have coffee, you go to the bathroom within 30 minutes, realistically of having it. So it just helps us make sure we're maintaining our hydration status. Okay. Good one. That was one of my favorite ones. So then this one is good for Kai and other people that are breastfeeding still. Do you have any tips or tricks, do's or don'ts for dieting while breastfeeding? Which we already talked about dieting is kind of like a, you know, taboo word. It's not maybe means the same thing to everyone, but maybe just if someone's breastfeeding, what do you recommend if they're looking to, um, I don't know, slim down or just stay, stay consistent, obviously not drop off all foods, but what are some tips and tricks that you would offer? Right. Yeah. So typically breastfeeding, we recommend that you guys don't diet because, and depending on, you know, where you are in your supply, um, we want to say within the first, I believe it's three to six months, you're having an additional 500 calories a day. So you're actually eating in a surplus. So you're making enough milk. And then we slowly wean down to 300 calories or like additional 300 calories after we hit that six month mark. And then we can continue to wean down. So basically you want to make sure that you're still eating in that surplus, but you're going to wean off of your calories slowly. So if you're doing this yourself, you never want to decrease your calories by more than 300. Um, any given week, realistically, we want to give our body enough time to accommodate for this, but just making sure my biggest thing would be to make sure you're having a well-rounded plate. So that means you're having protein, carbs and fats, but then you're also having fruits and vegetables. So things like fruits and vegetables have antioxidant properties in them. They're going to help with milk production. They're going to help fight any diseases, um, illnesses or ailments. They're of course going to change kind of the micronutrient and the vitamin capacity of your milk. And they're just going to make it an all around better product for your baby. So if you ever feel like your supply is randomly draining or you're done, I would probably look at what you're eating first to make sure you're eating enough and then add calories back in. So a lot of my clients, um, obviously they're not breastfeeding, but they'll say, you know, why am I not making the gains or the, um, you know, strides in my nutrition or my physical appearance? Like I would want to, and I would say nine times out of 10, my clients are actually under eating. So we have been told, especially as women, if you want to lose weight, you need to be eating 1200 calories, let's say, but that's not true. We do technically want to maintain a surplus or a, I'm sorry, a deficit, but if we're getting, you know, 10,000 steps a day minimum, and we're sleeping seven to nine hours a night and getting minimum half of our body weight in ounces, and then making up for those losses. And, you know, we're fostering a good environment and we're getting sunlight exposure and our, you know, our vitamin D so many different things go into this to make sure that we are actually consuming enough to support weight loss to actually happen. And that's kind of what we forget about. Right. And what about, it's hard to remember when you're doing that. What about water intake for nursing moms? Like, would you just double that? Like I get a gallon in a day easy. Like that's my goal. Usually it's more than that. Um, is there a, I mean, double, what do you think? There's really no recommendation as far as water goes that I'm aware of. Um, again, my population really isn't breastfeeding mothers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, more water isn't necessarily a bad thing. You just have to make sure, I would say, if you get a gallon in, you should probably be mixing in some electrolytes, liquid IV, um, drip drop is another one. Mm. That one's pretty salty. So if you're somebody who is like, let's say an avid runner on top of breastfeeding, drip drop or the right stuff is probably going to be a really good advantage for you. Um, Otherwise, liquid IV is probably just something good to mix in once a day. And why is that? I don't do that. And I'd like to maybe implement it. So if you have too much water, you can become hyponatremic. So what that is, is you have low sodium levels in your blood that can, you know, 
um, coincide with low potassium, low, you know, a whole bunch of other minerals that basically just get washed out because we're having too much water in comparison to those electrolytes. So mixing in one basically just makes sure we're not going to, you know, have low energy levels. We're going to start muscle cramping, making sure that all of our electrolytes stay in a good place. Good to know. That is good to know. I never knew that. Okay. What? Okay. This is a really good question that I also being in the Midwest, we do not really get fresh fruit. I mean, we do, but by the time it hits Vandalia, Missouri's grocery stores, it's 10 days old and you take it home and it's already starting to get moldy. So this question kind of spoke to me when food is out of season, does frozen or canned fruit and vegetables hold the same nutritional value as if you were buying fresh produce? Yes, absolutely. And I think this is something that, um, you know, social media has done a really poor job of making us feel confident in our food choices, unfortunately. Yes. So, you know, you have these people who have fantastic bodies, but no nutrition education basis. And somebody could say, Hey, what do you think about canned food? And they're going to say, no, I only eat fresh food, but they're not going to give you a real reason as to why. And canned, that's not realistic. Frozen, right. It's not realistic. But canned frozen, frozen, fresh food, fruit, it's all technically nutritionally the same. Ideally, we'd like you to choose fresh fruit, but like you said, Kylie, it's not, I'm in Minnesota. So there are maybe three months a year that we can have fresh fruit realistically. Um, so do what you can. I would rather you have frozen fruit, canned fruit, however you like dehydrated, as long as you get it in, that's what matters. Good. That's good to hear because you're right. That is something that is it's not really spoken about on social media or in general, you know, you think when you go to the grocery store, well, I'm better off to buy canned or I'm sorry, buy fresh green beans as opposed to canned, because then people talk about the preservatives and everything that's in canned green beans or whatever. And so then it makes you question yourself when you're in the grocery store, but that's good. Well, and I think too, my exact situation today is I have fresh green beans in the refrigerator and they're bad because we just didn't get around to cooking them and I didn't do anything with them. So now I'm food waste being very wasteful in the food that I purchased. But if I had gotten a can of green beans, that still would have been preserved on the shelf so that I could have eaten them when I was ready. And so I know being a mom, especially this crowd that we're going to be talking to would love to hear that because I don't want to spend $5 on a bag of green beans at the store. And then they just go bad. Cause that's what happened in my fridge. Right. And right food now. waste is such a large issue anyway. So like I do that all the time, Kylie, like strawberries is the worst for me because mm -hmm. I bring them home. I, I have intentions of cutting them. I don't get to it right away. And then they go moldy and our chickens eat them. So I guess at least my chickens right. are getting good snacks, but <laughs> realistically, it's like I should just stop buying those. And it's feast frozen. or famine. You bring them home one time and they'll be gone in like two days. And the next time you buy them, it they go bad. And Nobody that's how it is with most fruit in our house. So I love that the fact that we, whoever asked this question, thank you. And, um, it just made me feel a lot better about choosing foods that I can not waste basically. Right. So, well, so and being no super transparent, I'll just go quick. I, my favorite vegetable is canned green beans. Like we jokingly, one of my girlfriends is in dentistry and one of them, she's an HR, but we're getting, you know, funny tattoos. And they're like, your tattoo should be a can of green beans. <laughs> Don't mind. Like I, <laughs> exactly. So if you're, you know, in the grocery store and you're like wanting, you, you feel bad about what's in your canned green beans, look for the one that says no salt added because realistically it should be canned in minimal salt and water and maybe, you know, one or two other small byproducts, but your realistically, the amount of, you know, processing or, you know, these 
negative foods that we have, you know, connotated as negative, those would have to far outweigh the benefits that you get just from eating fruits and vegetables. So you would have to have, you know, a diet purely of processed um, products to have any negative effect from eating them with vegetables. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. Perfect. Um, what, if any foods and or ingredients do you try to avoid? Okay. I love this question and I've admitted on clubhouse, I'm kind of crunchy in our house. So, um, we actually try to avoid plastic as much as we can just because of DHA and EPA. Um, we just kind of try to avoid it. And, you know, of course, if we heat it up in the microwave, we might have some negative health benefits over time. It's not like you're going to wake up tomorrow and have a third note or a second nose or whatever, you know, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we use glass, um, like Pyrex dishes instead or Menards brand or whatever. Um, and then on top of it, you know, plastics, we just end up wasting. So if I'm going to send something to the farm with Dylan, it's typically in plastic. We have it in our house. We just don't love to use it. Um, my next one that I really, really prefer not to use is actually aluminum. So um, we try not to do deodorants that have aluminum in it. We use um, natural deodorants. So this is a big conversation that I love to have. Um, it's actually, you know, typically when we look at the research, aluminum deodorants for women specifically have a larger association with breast cancer. So they use aluminum as the pore clogging agent and deodorant. And then of course that's in the sensitive tissue that's right near our breasts. Um, on top of that, aluminum and magnesium are going to inhibit each other. Aluminum is a stronger metal basically than magnesium. So it's going to deplete our magnesium stores. Our body only absorbs about 30% of magnesium anyways. So when we pair that with aluminum, it inhibits it even further. So if you're somebody who wakes up in the middle of the night with leg cramps, um, if you're somebody who has consistent migraines or headaches, you should probably check your deodorant, switch it over. That's the first thing I would recommend. And then I typically don't actually recommend an oral magnesium supplement. I have um, a topical magnesium lotion that I recommend from a lady who actually makes it um, down the road from us. She's got three stores across the state of Minnesota and ships across the country. So she's fantastic. But I have athletes who were doing century mile bike rides, like hundred miles, and we're falling off of their bikes cramping and we switched their deodorant and put a topical magnesium lotion on them and they've not cramped since. So that's kind of my beef with aluminum. And then we just, you know, really try to avoid it. So um, what, while you're still on aluminum, what deodorants do you suggest for men versus women? So I've not tried any men's deodorant. Dylan has um, the natural men's dove line and he likes it. Dylan also very rarely wears deodorant. So he's one of the lucky ones that doesn't sweat. Um, I have a brand off of Amazon that I really like, and we can share links to you after this wet if you want to share it to, um, you know, you and Kylie's following. Otherwise, again, that lady who makes the topical magnesium lotion in my we'll call my neighborhood basically. Um, she actually makes her own deodorants too. And I love them. I've tried native, I've tried Schmitz. Um, I feel like there's one other one that I'm missing and those ones either hurt my armpits or they don't work. Okay. Um, well, I've tried, I have to tell you this. I've tried native. I'm a very, I'm not super sweaty, but like after I hit 30, I get stinky. And so I've forever, since I was young, had to wear men's deodorant just because of sports. I was always so active. And so I tried native and I swear to you, it made me smell worse. Like I would go throughout the day and be like, oh my God, that smell is me. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, that, I need some new suggestions to try. Cause that one turned me off so bad. I use native now. I couldn't use Schmitz. 
Um, I tried a couple of other natural ones. My uh, Jordan's aunt is very, I would, like you said, crunchy, very naturalistic. We do all kinds of other supplemental type things to keep your body's healthy and whatnot. So she sells one that's okay. I currently use native and I don't hate it. I sweat a ton. So it's definitely not an antiperspirant. It's not going to, I mean, I have like white dripping down my arm at the gym, um, just nasty deodorant, but it doesn't make me stink. I just have to reapply often. So it's not a one and done. I, I could do it in the morning and I may need to do it like midday, but I don't hate it. It's not my so, favorite, but I don't hate it. So Kennedy, do you, th- do you believe in like the detoxifying of your body as part of switching to aluminum? Cause I've heard that a ton, but I've never really heard it from somebody that would maybe actually know. Or like, yeah. Is it true? Like Googled it. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, and that's another thing. So, um, gosh, I had a point I was going to make before this. I don't remember what it was, but I, the, the gal who was falling off of her bike doing her century miles, she had these terrible, painful, I wouldn't call them sores, but red like lumps in her armpit. And she's like, Kennedy, what is this? And I didn't know this. So I didn't have an answer for her either, but I went to Meg, the owner of the shop who makes the deodorant. And she said, this is your body detoxifying. So it actually will pull metals out of your armpits because that's where you were putting aluminum physically on. So let's say you were somebody who, for whatever reason, put your, your deodorant between your toes, and then you switched over to an aluminum free deodorant and you were putting that on your toes, you would actually have those red bumps between your toes too. So I never detoxified from, um, switching over to natural deodorant because we actually got rid of aluminum cooking pans in, um, probably 2017 and we've used copper cast iron. So the only aluminum I was having, or I was encountering was either secondhand or strictly from deodorant, which wasn't enough for my body to need to detox, but that actually is a real thing. And it's super painful. Okay. Well, I never hurt, but everyone just said, like, if you start to stink really bad, you're detoxing. And I'm like, okay, well, I just think it's my BO, (laughs) like not my detoxing. So I never knew that like detoxing was like painful or gave red bumps. So that's good information. Yeah. And typically I say you have to give it two consistent weeks, if not a little bit more, depending on your sweat rate. Cause Kylie, I'm like a heavy sweater too. I use literally used clinical strength deodorant before, but you have to give your body at least two weeks to get used to it of using it consistently before that stink goes away. Cause you're right with it does like amplify it. Um, okay. Those are all great. We all, I think we've heard that aluminum switch. So I need to like reevaluate things in my home, I think, but that's beside the point. What is the best substitute? I didn't know that men needed to be aluminum free as well. Yeah. Jordan, you know, the native and he hated it. Well, I just was on Amazon when you guys were talking and there is a dove men's care aluminum free Mm -hmm. and that's what I use already, but not the aluminum free. Yeah. Switch over to the aluminum free. It should be fine. Dylan uses it and likes it. But like I said, he probably wears deodorant twice a week. Doesn't need to. So he's one of the blessed human beings. I know. Dink. Hey guys, so this episode gets kind of lengthy, but it is very, very informative. So we have decided to cut it into two parts. So we hope you've enjoyed part one and part two will be dropped next week. Thanks for listening. We sure appreciate all of you listening today. We would love to reach more women in ag. If you would like, please share our podcast with your friends and let us know what you think. You can also find us on Instagram at farmwifeguru and at the grateful farmwife. 
Be sure to follow or subscribe to the Midwest Farm Wives podcast on your favorite podcast streaming app. We'll see you next time. And remember, every day may not be good, but there is some good in every day. Stay grateful, friends.